If you like the work that we produce on this show, support the show and get access to extra content and more at patreon.com backslash Fred Opie show. Live from our studio in Babson Park, Massachusetts, it's the Fred Opie show where we unpack history to positively impact the future. I am Fred Opie, your host. Thanks for joining us live or listening to the podcast. A native of Riverhead, New York and Suffolk County, Long Island, Troy Kemp is a director of college recruiting and a coach for Nation United, which is the subject of today's show. He's also on the staff of the Ron Clark Academy, a highly acclaimed middle school in Atlanta, Georgia, internationally recognized for its success in educating students with academic rigor, passion, creativity, balanced with a strict discipline code. Kemp spent 27 years at the Macaulay School as a teacher, coach, and administrator before joining the Ron Clark Academy. He also served as the executive director of the National Center for the Development of Boys, a nonprofit organization founded by Macaulay to equip parents, educators, coaches, and mentors with research and strategies for helping boys thrive. And I think one of the greatest parts about 
Nation United is the ROI is not seen in the same way as most travel teams. What am I getting for it? But what am I doing for someone else by playing on this team? Two things that are happening at the same time. Yes, they are getting high-level coaches. They are working with the diverse coaching staff, the most diverse coaching staff that they've probably ever been a part of. But they're also their parents are being educated as to what boys need beyond this tournament or beyond getting into college. You know, how do you thrive in college? We don't approach it in terms of wins and losses. We approach it in terms of wins and losses in terms of life. How does this thing keep moving forward? When I hear you unpack what you all are all about, there's two books that came to mind. First one is called How to Raise a Modern Day Knight. Second book is Joe Ehrman's Inside Out Coaching. Are you familiar with either of these two books? Joe Ehrman's book, I am. But now I will be familiar with the other by the time we talk. Talking about this in class of teaching a course on African history and food. And we were talking about the Akan people in Ghana. And I asked the students, do you know what a rite of passage is? And have you been through one? Uh, it takes me back to this concept. This man has created this book uh, as a way of creating a rite of passage that he said that every boy needs a rite of passage so that they can walk through the steps. They can clearly define what is a man? What does a man look like? What are the man? What is a man's expectations? And then celebrating that part of their life when they get to certain ages, similar to a bar mitzvah, or first communion, etc. Taking the young man, surrounding him with good examples of, of men, and walking them as a group of men with their sons through that process till they get to the rite of passage and then actually having a celebration when they actually become knighted as young men. Wow. Wow. That's an interesting thing because if you think about the number of young men who are fatherless in this country and so forth, you know, where does that come into play? Uh, you know, we talk about what the role of coaches today, how it's changed given the dynamics when it comes to families and so forth. You know, even the families that have two parents, they're two parents that are both working, so they have less time to do some of the things that used to be done years ago. So now this coach has a tremendous opportunity not only to help them develop a certain set of skills, but more importantly, establish a mindset mm. in terms of where do they need to be, how do you gauge where you are, how do you fit, and what are you doing for others? I do believe that there's a, a huge responsibility for coaches. If you decide to take the wheel, then you need to take the wheel and grab it with both hands and understand what your real mission is beyond uh, trying to advance through the tournament. I was watching 30 for 30 called Last Stop University about the junior college in Mississippi. Have you yes. seen that? Yes. Thought about what you just said about what a coach is. This is a rant. I'm going to warn people right now. I'm going to put it out there. This head coach. With these kids who come from all kinds of dysfunctional behavior, if you don't think you came from a dysfunctional family, then you just don't know what a family is because we all have dysfunction in our family. Let's just put it out there. So none of us are perfect. Coaches have more influence over their players than their teachers often and their parents. Or transactional coaches and there's transformational coach. Cussing at these kids, would I allow someone to have that kind of influence over my child? Absolutely not. There's a scene in the 30 for 30 with sneaking girls into the dorms, girls they have no relationship with, uh, sleeping with the girls and then trying to sneak them out. And they get busted. So the scene is when they get busted. Head coach, folks, tells them, if you get caught, you will get fined by the school for $300 and you will not get your transcripts, anything you need to transfer uh, if you have that still in your record. You could, guys... Go up the street to such and such motel, pay 45 bucks, and accomplish the same thing without a problem. 
I'm going, oh my God, this is the head coach instructing these young men that that's the definition of being a man. Joe Irwin talks about it's the from the ballpark to the billfold to the, and I'm just going, this is exactly what Joe is talking about. We need coaches, as you just said, Troy, who will teach these young men what it means to be a man. And it's not being a predator towards women. I feel like a great coach has to love kids as much as they love the game. These folks don't know what I'm made of. Some of them don't. And more importantly, we're trying to use what you have and incorporate it into our recipe as opposed to, to sand it down and trim it off to make you fit into this mold over here that we call a successful lacrosse team. And so the parents are really appreciative because the other thing is the synergy they have. Because there's a lot of questions that parents often come in with when and, and the little things that they're apprehensive about when their child first steps onto a new team and on a new field, that they didn't have those questions anymore. Because a lot of them are already answered by looking around and seeing who's out there. It's a different team running with a with a headwind or or, or running when there's no wind. You gotta prove yourself before you can move forward is a really interesting thing. And these kids, we try to make sure that they don't have they don't feel like that when they play for us. And more importantly, the parents are looking around with each other. They, they bond right away because there are just some things that have already been taken care of before they show up. So how would someone find uh, Nations United? Where are you located? How would someone get plugged in? They hear the podcast, they hear your message, and they say, that's for me. How would they find you? The best way is they go to our website, nationunitedlc.com. That will be on our, and they can apply, and they can find out more about our, our program. The, the five board members are in five different states. So we don't actually have a home state. Someone you know, always asks, where's your team from? Where our kids are ambassadors from 20 different states. That's the beauty of it is, you know, here's a team that can come from 20 different states, spend about three hours together and, and emerge as, as champions in tournaments more than the scoreboard, but off the field as well, the bonding that takes place. So, so social media is a great way to kind of, stay up to date with what we're doing and some of the things that are going on and trending. But our website, nationunitedlc.com, is the best way. And we seek out players as well. I mean, we'll see, you know, the kids are always having, sharing highlight videos. And the kids know other kids. So, you know, word of mouth is, is a big way that we find out. But I think um, having the kind of visibility, obviously having success, that's one thing that we we realize that, you know, you, you have to validate yourself just like these kids have to validate themselves on the field. So if your program, you know, takes down a giant or two, all of a sudden that's the shot heard around the world and, and, and news travels pretty fast. If you do something really well, the word travels a lot faster. So we're easier to find today. Who can play for your team? Parents may say, well, I want my kid to play, but uh, my kid's Lily White. Well, that's the beauty of Nation United is that we don't have, uh, we don't discriminate, right? I mean, we have kids that are every ethnic group, I mean, just about, I mean, we haven't had anyone Native American yet, but we've had just about everything else, which is kind of neat. But we, we look to have, we want our team to be at least, you know, ideally half of our kids to be of, of what they would be minority backgrounds in lacrosse. And then the other half can be pretty much anything else, but it tends to be about 80% what we call black and brown players. Sometimes people exclude themselves and say, well, I'm white. Um, I don't fit that team. That's not true. We don't care. I mean, that's the good thing. I mean, those guys are, they, they loved it just as much as the kids, African-American kids. I think that's something that parents automatically assume because the team is 
the majority of the kids are African American. I think we're not going to apologize for having a team that's we're we're intentionally being diverse because the game is not intentionally diverse. And so we have to do something differently. We specialize in finding diverse players who excel at the game. We're in lacrosse because our kids decide they want to play. And we decide that we want to make the experience exceptional, not just average. We did all the extra, if you would, to make it work. Living outside of a hotbed area, how in the world do you do it when you don't live right in Baltimore, you don't live in New England or New York or PA? It's very different trying to, trying to raise a, a, a high-level player when you don't have access to all this stuff. The show will be right back. For related content on negotiating the world of school and sports, visit our website at fredopi.com. Check out our podcast archive and review the show on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. We are the sum total of the people we spend time with and the books we read. Be a difference maker right now. My book, Start With Your Gift, we're making it available during the holiday season for $10. How to send your kid to school debt-free. That's grad school or undergrad. That's the hard copy of the book, Start With Your Gift. Two ways you can order it. You can get it on Amazon.com. The book is available as an audible book and as a digital copy, but the hard copy is available for $10. You can also get it on my website at fredopiespeaks.com. Look for a link to the store and order it there. If you order it there, I'll make sure I sign a copy of it before I send it out to you. It's a great gift. It'll make a difference in somebody's life. You're a parent. Here's what you do. Buy the book. Put $10, $20, $50, whatever you want at the back of the book. Give it to the kid. And the next time the kid comes to you and says, hey, Mom, Dad, I need some money. Just look at him and say, did you read the book? But I need some money. Just say, read the book. And leave it at that. See what happens. It'll make a difference because your kid will now have a game plan for getting the right education, know how to get an internship, negotiating a job. It'll show them how to budget. Every stupid mistake I've made is in there so they don't have to make it. It's a great investment, and for $10, it's a steal. Welcome back to this edition of the Fred Opie Show. What's something you thought about coaching a club team in general that later you realized you had totally wrong? I kind of underestimated how quickly they would they would bond. Different expectations when you have a club of people who play for different high school coaches. And the skills may look the same, but the knowledge of how the game works is very different. That was probably a little bit of a shocker. The best part about, about coaching this United guys is that they – have so much to offer that we don't overcoach the guys. Don't overcoach them and you'll be just fine. Because I see a lot of college coaches overcoaching kids. A lot of club coaches overcoaching kids. And I think that takes away their identity within the game. And that's why these kids love playing for us because they feel free. We call it the wiggle. We like players who wiggle a little bit. They, they can play on the script or off the script. Recently heard... Uh an analyst talking about a defensive coordinator. Comment was made is that the secondary is struggling because they're trying to do too much. Instead of putting in two defensive schemes and make sure the players know them back and forth, they can do them and can rotate them and can check off when they need to, rather than trying to throw seven at the secondary and then they're having all kinds of confusion. And I think that is often a problem. Often people will come to me and say, uh, I'm a new coach, uh, 
can you tell me a couple offenses to put in? I don't put in offenses. I, I teach the players how to space. Uh, my philosophy is more of the triangle offense the, that the Chicago Bills used to run during Michael's day. Understand spacing. And when I talked to Coach Mike Massera at West Tennessee, he said the same thing. He's more thinking about spacing. So the players understand that more so than some complicated four or five different plays. Exactly. I've just seen way too much of it. And the other thing is this. I've seen players develop the ability to play with both hands very well. And then coaches limit them and try to push them to one side or the other. So there's some things you can't coach and some things you can and I equated to sharks and dolphins. I said, you know, you look at a shark and dolphin from far away, and they kind of look the same, but they have two different mission statements. Because when you're out there, you're on a mission. And when you play, you know, sometimes these kids come from programs where they don't have 24 guys on the roster who can play at the Division One, Division Two, or Division Three level. There might be two of them. And so they have to learn how to, how to do more. And so sometimes they go to college, the whole goal is to get them to do less. Stop doing all those things that got you here. Mm-hmm. And that's a very hard lesson to unteach, you know, teaching a shark to be a dolphin, if you would. You got to learn how to incorporate that, that thing that you do, um, that S on your chest that shows up every now and then. Being able to initiate. When we look for players for Nation United, you know, if I'm looking for a midfielder, I want a guy that can create separation because that's going to move the defense. If you can move the defense, you can move the ball, and there'll be a soft spot on the backside. All the time, not some of the time, all the time. And sometimes those kids are good enough where if somebody doesn't slide with authority, you know, we tell our guys, keep moving. And it's not always to move the ball. Because when you say the word always, you're going to get yourself in trouble. You can say a majority of the time. But when I have coaches that say always, regardless of the circumstances, that's like telling a punt returner he always has to step with his right foot first when he catches the ball. If the lane is on the left because somebody screwed up, take it. The Syracuse teams I played for in 84 and 85, both those teams went to the national championship, all right? If I look at those teams, I'd say there were probably five, maybe six great players on that team. And what the rest of us do, including me, we carried the luggage. That was it. And if you look at most high school teams, there's probably, you know, depending on where you are, you probably got two Maybe three or four if you're in an exceptional program. And then everybody else is carrying a luggage. Be glad you can carry the luggage. Be glad that you can pack the clothes if you're that good. The opportunity for the kids to come together and play with that, ter- that many terrific players is a great opportunity. Some of them don't understand that beating a double or a triple is not a good thing. Drawing the double and drawing the triple and getting rid of the ball. Hopefully just drawing the double. If you're drawing the triple, you already didn't pass the ball fast enough. Share with the guys right away when they show up is that, you know, you have other guys on this team you can trust. Yeah. Like you have other guys that can do what you can do, so you don't have to do it all. I mean, if, if, if a kid's kind of born and raised on that, you know, he's carried the ball like a, like a tailback. You know, I get 40 carries a game, that kind of thing. Well, now they're playing with guys who, if they move it twice, it's already, I mean, it's a, it, it's a slam dunk versus I got to go through the entire team and put the ball in the net. And again, that's something that's kind of, you know, a coach will say, well, that guy's got no lacrosse IQ. Uh, that's not really true. He knows what to do. But when you have a boy, and this is something about understanding boys, when they have success at something, it's really hard to tell them not to do it again. I mean, mm-hmm. you can tell them, but they don't believe it. In his 
times he, the highlight reel of 17 yards snipe in the corner was just worth it, right? <laughs> it, 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 you know, how do you tell a kid, you know, don't do that? So I, I had a rule. I said, son, I said, shoot the ball wherever you want to. But if this goalie saves it or you miss the cage, now you have to shoot it from where I told you to shoot. Yeah. And, I, and I wanted it inside a certain radius. They're never going to let me get that close because they double team me when I get off the bus. I said, that's a good point. I said, but I'm just telling you, do that. So guess what he does? He goes out and he shoots the ball from 12 to 15. He scores four or five goals, and then he pulls the trigger from 17. But he did what I asked him to do, but it was on his terms. But basically I set it up in such a way where he can have success. He can, he can get what he wants, but also he does what I need him to do. I call that the Tai Chi approach versus Kung Fu. Kung Fu is my way to highway. <laughs> tai Chi is, you know, a brick thrown at a blanket. You got to be the blanket. I, I love it. That's crucial. <laughs> what kind of mentoring do you continue with them after they go off to play in college? We had a panel discussion where guys were former college players and pro players were able to sit and have to get asked different questions about their college experience, but also you know, expectations and so forth and what they needed to do to prepare really for the, for the move from high school to college. Several pros have agreed to, to be accessible to our guys. Christmas, Kyle Harrison, Chaz, and others have agreed to, to make sure that they are mentoring these guys all the way through. And more importantly, that these guys are now turning around and mentoring the kids behind them. And I think that that's the part, the crew and cause part that we talk about is so crucial to be a part of something that's bigger than you, which means that that expectation is, is a cultural expectation versus just an individual one. And more importantly, when you have another player looking to you for advice, you tend to do things the right way. So, you know, guys in general don't like to communicate, especially when they're stressed about things. But I think being able to open these lines of communication when there's no stress is crucial because then they know the channel is there. And, and, and that's the difference between going to college and thriving in college. Describe what you considered your required college course. And in this course, that syllabus should be filled with this content so you have this knowledge base before you graduate from this school. I'm more of a mindset than a skill set guy. Skill set has a shelf life, but your mindset lasts your entire life. I always think about the things that influence your mindset, like problem solving. I took a course called Race and Education at Colgate. And it, I was a mathematics major, but I took a course in Race and Education. One of the things that it allowed us to do is examine the, the inequalities and injustices that are going on in America when it comes to education. It said, okay, so if you were in charge, what would you do differently? And it allowed us to take out the purple crayon and use creativity to try to solve the problem. That's something that most kids, when they go to college, they just a spoon-fed information, they write two or three papers, but, but how much are they really doing that are trying to impact others while they're there? I think kids need to get, probably in a perfect world, off the campus and into different communities that don't look anything like the, the school setting that they're in and to understand the people who are there. So, so my race and education course impacted my life probably more than anything I took. I think the other would be I think that being involved in things that involve more creativity and being around creatives. We're going to take a commercial break now and we'll be right back. 
Today's show is brought to you in part by TheAthleteBook.com. If your business is looking to hire talented team members, post your openings on TheAthleteBook.com. They host virtual hiring events that connect college, Olympic, and pro athletes to job opportunities. TheAthleteBook.com offers diversity recruiting solutions, personality trait matching to your top employees. CEO Ryan Drummond is a friend, former Division I athlete, and seasoned talent strategist. TheAthleteBook.com works with small businesses as well as pro sports teams, Amazon, Yelp, J.P. Morgan Chase, GE, and Under Armour to help them hire the best. Super 7, Principles to Grow, Win with People, and Be More Creative is about to roll out. The Super 7, Principles to Grow, Win with People, and Be More Creative. It's a book that will help you in terms of managing your schedule, communication, dealing with criticism, learning how to give criticism, learning how to organize yourself, things that I have learned along the way. That's what's in that book. I'm excited for that bad boy to drop, and it's going to be happening very soon as an audio book, a Kindle, and a hard copy. So that'll be coming out soon. We'll have some pre-sales set up in the weeks to come. A book or two that you found riveting. The, the Power of Habit, I love that book because it really talks about how to get things done when you're not necessarily motivated to do so. Great by Choice was a book that I read that kind of got me reading even more because, you know, that's, that's Jim Collins' book that, you know, talks about how to be, you know, organizations that were great regardless of circumstances because when the market crashed, there were some businesses that are no longer around. I read quite a bit of um, Malcolm Gladwell. I mean, you named the book, I read it. So the outliers, I, I've actually given away probably 12 copies of that book. I just keep one, keep extras on my shelf. So when young men come in, I want them to start with that book. Look at what talent, effort, and opportunity with that equation. And where are you and how do you have all three if you want to be an outlier? Daniel Coyle, The Talent Code, that was another one that I read. The ability to, to grow talent. It was important because I actually gave that one to my son because he is a kid that was incredibly talent, talented. And how do you motivate someone who has a tremendous amount of talent? Here's a guy who's got it all from a talent standpoint, but I need him to try harder at certain things. So I gave him the book. He reads it a year later, right? He read it a year later. But then all of a sudden, all the kids that he coaches and he mentors, he says, I'm not coaching you until you read a certain amount of this book. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, but that's what I'm saying. That's what, that, that's what I tell people all the time is that, you know, for, for young men, oftentimes, if it's not their idea, it's a bad idea. Give them about 24 hours for it to become their idea. Here's a book that I gave him, and he, he talks about it so much because he realizes that, look, yeah, perfect practice does make perfect. And so there's a science behind why that works. And now that was proven to him, and he's like, wow, you mean to tell me that you can be better at so many things just by putting in the work? Because that's what I wanted him to do is, is really look at the work side of it and the process and quit worrying about the outcome. Dr. Michael Gurney has written a book called Saving Our Sons. It's soup to nuts. 
what's going on with boys today in America, some of the things from a biological side and from a cultural side and so forth, that's as comprehensive a book as I've ever seen. The number one book, especially, you know, if you have a son he's playing this game, um, Why He's Becoming a Man, I think every parent should probably read that book. What do boys need? What does it say in terms of their brain development? How does a parent connect with a young man and have success? How do you utilize that tool, that lacrosse piece, to your advantage if they're in the sport in general? How can you partner effectively with coaches? And even how do coaches, do they need to understand how boys are wired to better reach them in terms of their, you know, how they function? Dinner with three people, dead or alive, who would they be and why? I'd have to start off with Barack Obama. Here's a person that changed America in so many ways, in the, and the optic and the mindset. I mean, you know, I was supposed to be the first black president in the United States, by the way, and I didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew I was going to come in second at that best if I ever wanted to do it's, it. It sounds like you've recovered, though, from the uh, trauma of not making it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Changed the game for a lot of Americans. He gave people hope who didn't have hope. But Nation United does that for some kids on the lacrosse level. And then his way of approaching things in terms of how he got elected, he leveraged the social media and so forth like no one has ever done. Oprah Winfrey would be the second one. Again, she's a pioneer in what she did and the things that she went through, but more importantly, what she's done for other people. Because you sit with her, she connects you with, you know, you look at the six degrees of separation. Well, she's probably two degrees from anybody you need to know. Answering the questions that she might ask will help you grow because you know everybody learns from the questions that they're asked. She's a fascinating human being. And then the third one would be my grandmother because my grandmother, she passed away when I was 12 years old, actually 13. And my grandmother was old school. You know, the expectations for the camps was very different when she was alive. We grew up as migrant workers. There were some who kind of made it to college, but then they cycled back and ended up in the migrant working and just, you know, some hard times in a lot of ways. And I don't even know what her expectations were for her kids, for her grandkids. She was 54 years old when she passed away. So she didn't even really know me. Mm-hmm. And I knew her just based on my mom would have a kid and she'd come and stay with us for a bit. And then she had a bunch of rules, but I never got to have a conversation with her ever. She grew up in Florida in uh sort of north-central Florida there. It was a mindset from back in the day kind of thing. And so it was all, it was almost like Sugar Cane Alley kind of stuff. Be seen, but don't be heard, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, that's where we were. I mean, she was there to help my mom do a lot of stuff and talk with her just so she can see. She's got some uh, grandchildren who really are doing some things that she would be proud of, but more importantly, doing some things for some other folks. And that we've changed the game. Like, we've... There are a number of us who've broken out of the kind of the cycle, not to say that we're any better than anybody who came prior to us, but we're doing it differently and having success. I'd love for her to be proud of us in a different way. You find out that you have a terminal blood disease and you have three months to live and you're going to create a YouTube video for the program you've been coaching and you're going to tell them, these are the three truth guys I want you to live by. Uh, so that you can live a prosperous and impactful life, so that you can be the best ambassadors possible. What three truths would you share? Wow. Wow. Three truths that I would share for them to be the best. Hmm. Three 
truth. Man, you hit me with that one. Okay, for a man, a lot of words, I've been lost words. One would be they should always seek an opportunity to be responsible for someone other than themselves. Definition of a man is not just your ability to, to take care of yourself, but to take care of someone else as well. To look to help at least one person. Two, being consistent is often more important than being talented. Is to say that you need to be consistent at what you do so people will know what to expect of you. Three, that your skill set has a shelf life, but your mindset lasts your entire life. And it's so important to establish a growth mindset because there's always something that you can control within the frame of whatever you're doing. And if you put your attention on the things that you can move through your effort, then you're always going to be fine. People tend to weigh the outcomes and not really look at the process. And that's where they get often get lost because they can lose hope pretty quickly when they just look at the outcomes as opposed to what can I do differently to change things. Troy, thank you so much for sharing your experiences, your, your wisdom, your passion to see young men grow up to be impactful men. Uh, it's, uh, it's inspiring just to hear what you all are doing. And I'm, I'm trying to think of an excuse to get out there and, and be around you all to see what you're doing. And uh, I like to tell people I enjoy sharing my stupid tax so they don't have to pay the same tax. You know, when I got involved, I knew it was going to be special, but when you feel it, you know, you can, someone can tell you how cold or how warm it is outside, but you got to go outside to really feel it and experience. The thing that I love the most about Nation United is that they love this game, but they're growing while they're playing. They're learning so much. Even the best kids are getting better as a part of being a part of the team. But more importantly, we finally, we're telling them that that extra that sometimes people marginalize them for having or try to, to, to work their way around, we're utilizing that. We're trying to take advantage of the fact that they're, they can function on script and off script, and we're trying to incorporate it into what we do, which means that they already have a role as soon as they show up. That's it for this edition of The Fred Opie Show. Thank you for joining us. Check out the show archive at fredopiespeaks.com as well as our books and other content. Follow us on Twitter 